I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. I think next week we'll tape the show from Cassie's new Casper mattress. We'll all lay on the bed and do our interview from there and see who falls asleep first. You can go to Casper.com and get your own mattress. Use the code radio and save $50 off the purchase of a new mattress. You can also get a pillow, some sheets, who knows what else they might have there for you. Go to Casper.com, type in radio as a promo code, and you save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Rebel Radio. My guest today is Frankie Chan, founder of iHeart Comics, uh, the record label, events, company, agency, marketing agency, man of many talents. He's also known for the event series Check Your Ponytail. He describes his business as the intersection of music and geek culture. He's going to talk to us about um, letting go. He's just recently shut down his events business so he can focus on other areas. He's going to kind of talk us through what it's like to make some pretty big changes like that. And we're going to reminisce a little bit about the old days. We used to do a club together called Loose Tooth about 10 years ago, which was kind of at the start of this um, electro thing that's continues to this day so i'm excited to share this interview with you before we do let's hear the edm.com track of the week Yeah. 
Yeah, that was Nitro, our EDM.com track of the week from Kuda and Boy Bishop. You're listening to Rebel Radio, available on SoundCloud, available on iTunes, every Tuesday, 10 a.m. on Dash Radio on the Hot Button channel. If you still haven't listened to Dash Radio, check it out. And let's uh, hear now our interview with Frankie Chan. Frankie Chan, welcome, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you uh, making the trip. My pleasure. So we're going to talk about iHeart Comics, about um, Check Your Ponytail. The How long have you been doing that? Off and on for, I guess, eight years or so. Okay. And I know that's going on hiatus, but it's been a big part of the club scene here in L.A. And, yeah. And uh, meaningful elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just what you're doing, I think you're a really interesting entrepreneur that, you know, we met, what was that, 05, that we did uh, Loose Tooth yep. together yep. with uh, with Steve and and Herb Magazine and Them Jeans and, and all of that. Totally. Um, that was kind of interesting for me because, you know, I had been uh, through Herb and otherwise, you know, I'd been involved in clubs for a decade or two already at the time, and yet I'd never really experienced that like a party like that and that that genre and you know the stuff that you guys were doing was really all new to me i think it, it was just new yeah at the time yeah know? yeah i mean that's part of what i love about this business is that like shit just emerges totally. that didn't exist you know last year well you know what's funny too is what the what me and steve and jason were doing at the time it didn't come out of dance music it came right. out of punk yeah. Scene. Yeah. You know? So it had just kind of happened to fall into sure. the herb world. Right. Dance and rap and all that stuff. So how did know? that happen for you guys? Well, you know, like the the politics of like the underground punk scene through like the mid 90s through the early 2000s was very strict. Mm-hmm. You know, like pretty much there was a ban on fun. You right. Know? So it's like. Yeah. Like have. He- heavy politics no uh nothing to do with major labels a lot of like people exploring you know like uh gender issues and racial issues and all all these things Mm -hmm. you know so anything Mm -hmm. that you know could be construed as a good time (laughs) was kind of like frowned upon because it put people in a precarious place sure um but and was it were you were you involved in the punk scene yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I was playing in bands and doing shows, and Steve uh, uh, kind of came from, from that world, world too. Okay. And while uh, we didn't know each other in, in, in the very early days, because I was living in Seattle, and he lived uh, in Santa Barbara, uh, but I think that there was this, there was an undercurrent that began to kind of uh, 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 develop where certain artists from the underground kind of began to make music that had more of a dance mm-hmm. element to it. At the same time, you know, like, there was a revival of, like, 80s uh, uh, music at clubs, and then uh, mainstream hip-hop began to kind of make pop songs. Yeah. You know, so there's all, yeah. all these kind of, there was this, like, environment of stuff kind of, kind of going on sure. at, at, at the same time. And it was hard to de- 
hard to deny, you know, wanting to go dance and and have fun. And, uh, at least for, at least for yeah. like me, it's like we were doing. I was in Bellingham, Washington, like 1999 to 2000, and you know, I wasn't. I was almost of age or just turned of age to go to bars, mm-hmm. uh, but I was doing punk shows in this warehouse, and not everyone in the crowd was old enough to go, so I would just you know start playing records afterwards, and people would start to dance, mm-hmm. and it, it just was like, like the this, same crowds. It was like we would have like punk shows, and yeah. then it would be like, well, what are we gonna do now? Like, oh, I'll throw in some prints, or you know, wow. like 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 uh, something. Yeah, but you know, like even though that's a it's a very normal co- concept now, at the time sure. it felt very radical. Crazy, you know, like yeah. it was like, okay, well, we're gonna dance now. Like a room of kids like dressed in black that were like, you know, right, not into that 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 kind of music, allowing themselves to like do that, and you know, as you know. That turned into actual dance nights. Turned into, you know, uh, me and Steve met like before I, I I moved here. But then when I moved to Los Angeles at the end of two two thousand three, started a, a a club night, and then Steve joined short shortly a- after. And we were kind of coming at the same same approach where it's like, like all this re- repressed fun. It's like mm-hmm. let's just play the songs that we re- really really like. What was and, that club called? Uh, it was called uh, um, 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 "Fucking Awesome." Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think on both sides, not not just for our scene, but then in terms of the Hollywood scene, in terms of like bottle right. service clubs and like yeah. everything kind of being based around uh, uh, famous people going to nights and lines and all these things, and, and we were. The and we, mm-hmm. we were anti all that stuff, but also kind of anti everything that we had come come right. from. Sure. So it, it created something new. Yeah. Even though as like as like artists or DJs, we were like terrible. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't know how to mix yet, or like any of that stuff. We didn't understand that yeah. side of the skill set yeah. of DJing. Yeah. We just were playing songs that we liked and then engaging our our crowd. And I remember people like. Adam Twelve or AM, all these people like coming and like checking us out and being like, "What the fuck is right. this?" You know, yeah, like, not getting it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, and actually like being mad that there were like people coming to our shows. Yeah, because they're, they're like we're real DJs. Right. I mean, I I've definitely had moments of that. At, you know, even at at Loose Tooth, I don't think I was mad, but I but I certainly you know I come from that tradition, right? Yeah. Where the DJ, you know, it's all about the skills, and it's been, you know, I'm 44. It's been uh, journey for me to realize and accept the fact that most people don't give a shit about that. Well, you know, like es- especially now. Yeah. You know, like es- especially once like Serato and like different things like that kind of right. like opened up the ability to I I DJ to everybody. Yeah. You know, at least for us, it's like it wasn't like we we had those songs. You know, like like prior to laptop D. DJing, you still had to go find all those tracks. Sure. On vinyl, Absolutely. you know, it's a lot of money and time yeah. and, and investment. It's not like you know anyone could 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 do it, whether you had the like skills or not. You mm-hmm. still had to find them. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Now I kind of have the opposite reaction. Like if you hear a DJ, if you hear a bad DJ now, mm-hmm. you just go like, "How is this even possible?" Like it's so easy. Totally. For, like to just not be terrible. 
Yeah, it's true. Right? Like you, you almost have to like work at it. Yeah. Uh, it's, but um, but go go back. Uh, when did when did you guys realize? You know, tell me like what was that first night like at at fucking awesome? Or when did you realize that there was really something there? Pretty quickly. I mean, the first couple months of fucking awesome didn't include um, Steve. Mm-hmm. Aoki, uh, I, I don't think we, we, we said his last name. Uh, it was me and um, Har- um, uh, me and uh, Harmar uh, Superstar. Oh yeah. Um, and at the time, I, I really didn't know any, anyone here. I moved here and um, actually couldn't find a job and couldn't uh, find a place to live. Sure. And uh, fucking awesome was like an excuse to meet meet folks and I would like make a flyer every day and just go out every single night and pass out the flyer partly just to uh, invite folks to the club partly because I was looking for a couch to like crash on you know like it it was like it was it was very just like trying to survive yeah Um, and but I I don't like at at least for uh, at least like the scene we were from in LA at the time was very small like it was like that block and a half was kind of where the majority of the nights were going on and there was a different uh, themed night every week mm-hmm. uh, every night at, at, at a uh, a different club and I don't think there was anyone else just going out there and like begging people to come to, to their their one thing right. you know yeah um, so and beauty bar where it happened was pretty small it was like maybe like a 150 cap right so right right away there was kind of uh, energy there that 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 was new mm-hmm. um and then especially when 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 steve joined because he was from here and had like like a bit more core friends you know right. like that energy just kind of really uh happened fast sure i mean we i think we did the first Fucking awesome! Uh, in like mid-November of 2003, mm-hmm. and like he was part of it by like mid-January, and then okay. I think w- by April we were starting our second night at uh, Cinespace. Nice on t- Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then with within a year we had four nights going, and then mm-hmm. we eventually stopped fucking awesome and got lo- loose tooth. Okay. Yeah. Going and, and and then everything unraveled. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Look at look at you now. Yeah. Man, the Rebel Radio crew, we took a field trip down to the Casper mattress store. I think it was a pop up in Venice. I don't even think it's there anymore, but we got to test out the Casper mattresses. And mess around in the store. We played checkers. James had a pillow fight with the shop girl. And I got to sleep on the mattress. While I laid down, I would have fallen asleep. No, no bullshit. That thing was so comfortable. Cassie was throwing stuff at me. Otherwise, I probably would have fallen asleep right in the store. But you could get your own Casper mattress instead of listening to my stupid stories about it. Go to Casper.com. Use our special promo code RADIO and you get $50 off the purchase of a mattress. You can get some pillows and sheets. You probably need new pillows because your pillows at home are 
I guarantee you they're disgusting. You've been drooling on them, they're filthy. Get, get you some new pillows. That's my advice to you for 2016. Go to Casper.com, use the code RADIO. Save 50 bucks, terms and conditions apply. Um, it's, it's such a crazy, uh, journey you've been on and, and, you know, you talked about moving here without a job and that, and, you know, I read the fast company piece, which talks, uh, I think it calls you a failed comic, comic book artist, mm -hmm. um, which I don't know is entirely fair that, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, you still integrate a lot of comics into yeah. everything else you do. I think like, like like the term failed sounds harsh in, yeah. in that article, but I mean, I came here with the intention of, of trying to make comics and just ne never even had a chance to try. Right. Like all this other stuff kind of just happened. Yeah. And I still draw very often, like the majority of our comics, like yeah. il il illustrative art is, is, is mine. Yeah. Um, but I still, I still mean to one day get to that ambition <laughs> of trying to make comics. <clears throat> well, but you're, you're sort of doing that in a different way, right? Like, yeah. You're integrating it into the, the music and the events and you know everything else you're doing, right? Because mm -hmm. there's there's comics or there's illustration there, you know, and, and you've created like a, a signature style, yeah. That, you know that I see in, in everything you do, um, you know, and that's one of the things that made me interesting in talking to you on this show is that like you're, um, you know, there's this idea in business of the pivot. Uh, and, and I think that I don't know that that's necessarily been a conscious thing from you, although it seems like it. You know, reading your blog, you talked about uh, I think you called this year the year of evolution, mm -hmm. and and so you you announced that you're going to step away from party promoting, right, and focus on other areas of the business. Yeah, um, which sounds like a very, you know, businessman's calculated move. Whereas the stuff you were just talking about earlier so sounds much more just like instinctive. Yeah. So how is that, what's that evolution been like for you to go from making those kind of gut decisions to what seems to be a much more planned and sort of thought out path for the business? Uh, it, was, it was something that it took me a while to get used to. Um, I guess that instinctual thing or even like accidental thing of like just kind of falling into stuff like that was that was the main path I was on for a while especially at at first yeah. you know so there's kind of there's been a couple eras of what IR comics does and I feel like 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 the 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 time frame we were just talking about was like one era where one thing kind of led to the next, which kind of ended up making like the basic ingredients of, of who, who, who we are. But I definitely didn't go into it with any any kind of plan, mm -hmm. you know. So the the club nights into the first version of the record label and the launching the website and then just kind of like the general presence of the brand from like 2004 to 2009 was kind of like one era mm -hmm. and then um and then there was about a year that it was kind of off um yeah it existed in theory but there wasn't really any activity sure. going on and then 
um, when it kind of when I decided to bring it back, there was more a, a, of a plan in the sense of that like I knew I had to build from a base and like really have an idea where I, I wanted to, to let go. But even that has been uh, an evolution in the environment showing me where to, to, to go, kind of realizing more where our like, like, like what we're best at, really learning business, mm -hmm. which I think especially up, up until the last two or three years. And I, I didn't really like, let, like focus on all that much. It was yeah. always about the art of it or the idea of, of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of very much that classic, like it's all gonna like work out. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, then like the, the restart of it, which I did focus on checking ponytail at first, in the sense of like I just wanted one thing that we could, I could do do well. Yeah, you know, and it was always, even if you look back to like the, the early days checking ponytail two, which was like 2010 or so, there was always like video com component to it. Like we filmed all the mm -hmm. shows and mm -hmm. and and made uh, videos out of out of that that like went on uh, online. There was tons of like animation and art and all kinds of things like and, and we launched a new new website with that that had a editorial piece and everything and actually we like launched that before we even brought back IR comics mm -hmm. and it, it, which you know was a challenge when we brought IR comics back to kind of bring that more back to the forefront but you know we didn't know at the time it was just kind of just like let's just do this one thing right. well yeah um but that that led to getting an an investment uh, in 2012, which at that time promoting uh, was still our prime primary source, mm -hmm. um, and it seemed at at the time that we had a real chance of kind of growing that and making it. But you know the the reality o over the next couple of years was that, you know, like the real major beasts uh, in terms of like AG, Golden Voice, Live Nation, all these guys, it, it was just like an, an impossible thing to com com compete with. Yeah. Uh, and um, at the same time, like even going back to the reasons that I moved here, like my heart was always kind of really more in the other things mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of like creating the videos or art or stories and characters uh, and all, all of that. Yeah. But it was uh, a really large process to kind of allow myself to l let that stuff go. Mm -hmm. um, redefine for other people like who I can be or who what IR Comics can can be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, financially build out the, those uh, uh, other things to to a point to where it was like, okay to like let that that stuff go. Mm -hmm. um, e even with the facts like yelling at us, you know, like even with sure. it being being really loud, like yeah. like like 
events are not working. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's there's been so many like like things that have changed. Like if nothing else, like I'm I'm 37 now. I'm not 24. Right. Like trying to go out every night. You yeah. know, like I just absolutely it, it just doesn't matter. You know, right. and there's like and the l landscape of, of the scene has changed. And I think that really like the realization that we're like underutilizing our our uh, uh, our um, uh, uh, relationships that that we work so, so hard to like build, and and actually like how other people see us or or, or hold the, the like brand, maybe even a, a, on a higher level than what we do our, ourselves. Sure, you know, and really yeah. kind of like trying to embrace that. Yeah. You know, like g even going back to, to that first club night, like I had a job at the Virgin Record Store, like a part time job that I really felt dependent on that I had to have mm -hmm. to think that I could like pay rent. Right. And, you know, uh, eventually, like they let me go because they were like uh, thinning out their like staff and it was like 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 the best thing f for me because I realized I didn't have to have a job. Mm -hmm. Like I made it work with right. the yeah. with like throwing nights. Yeah, and it, it was it was kind of the the same thing where it's just like slowly it went away and it was like you know what like everything is so much better. Mm -hmm. You know like I just don't have to do do, do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk about that process of letting go. Right, because like you said, the you know the facts, the data is kind of yelling at you, but you know I think there's an internal process that you have to go through, mm -hmm. right, to be able to let go of certain things, and you know it's it's a uh, it's not often an easy question for people that build businesses to answer. What business am I in? Sure. Right. You know that's like a consultant's like they you know it's, it's easy from the outside. But from the inside, that that you know, there's a lot that goes into that. So, can you, can you talk about that process for you? What things you had to kind of confront well, to be able to make that change? Well, the the number one thing was the narrative, or like what people understood about who we are, what they think we we do, what we want to do. Yeah, and like 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 those are big questions that all throughout last. La last year was like that was like my number one goal was to finish 2015 with a very clear idea of who 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 we are because mm -hmm. you know like again there's all these things that I, I wanted to like do and we had been doing but then there was this one thing that most people knew us for which was also like like the one thing that was kind of dying you know yeah. and so it's like if I go to a party and um like like say say I'm like out with like Tom Omwindish, you know, like someone who is like big in the mu mu music music bit business world and he introduces me to someone else that is maybe from a different kind of world and he's like this is Frankie Chan, he he owns IR Comics. They throw really great parties. Right. And it's like that's not the perception sure. that I want. Right. You know, and then it's like 
So, but it's said as a compliment, and it's and that's yeah. his perception of you. Sure. Right? Yeah. Which you know. Yeah. You know, even it, like and like he, he's someone who's a friend who I mm-hmm. hang out with a, a lot, who I talk about my, my right. business with. A, yeah. A lot, and he still, I doesn't. I've had that I same experience, it. not with Tom, but with sure other people. Yeah. You know, and so then it's like, okay, well, we'll have a. You know, I think in like May of last year, we had this this meeting in 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 our office, uh, which you know, like the core IR Comics team right now is around like depending on the day of the week between like six to eight folks. You know, um, and I asked ev- everybody in the the office like, what do you think we do? Mm-hmm. And like like what's like if someone a- asked you at a party what IR Comics is, what sh- what's your answer everyone had a different answer mm-hmm. and that was like all right i have to change this right you know that was like a big problem yeah. you know uh and how how realistic is that though i mean i've i've seen you know i've sat in enough business classes and conference presentations that all say you know everyone at your company should be able to answer the question the same way your customers whatever should all have the same message I, I wonder how realistic that is true I mean with six people you know that's more manageable than if yeah. you're Apple and you have plus I, I mean you know like people have different parts of the business right that that's kind of what I mean right that they're like, focused on what it means to them might be a little different sure but they should still understand what the business does yeah you know if it's like I work at Apple we make com- com- computers that's the real basic right basic thing, you know? And then it's like, but I work on the phones or I work on marketing, you know, then you can get a little bit more in in depth, but you should know that one sentence, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And, you know, and so then then I I had to ask ask myself the same thing. Like, do I know for myself exactly what we are, where we're trying to, to let go, Yeah, you know? And, the fact of the matter was, like, if I wanted people to take us more seriously as a editorial place, as a uh, as a as a resource for ideas and content, and build our own universe stuff, and like a, as an agency, I had to get rid of the one thing that was skewing that whole. Yeah, it thing. overshadows. Yeah, absolutely. So for 2016, what is the answer? What do you do? Higher Comics is the intersection between music and uh, geek, uh, um, um, uh, geek culture. I can't make up my mind if we should keep this going. These feelings are all true, but do I deserve you? You can't make up your mind, do I try to keep waiting? So, you know, that means that, you know, if you go to our website, you'll see content and writing and stuff talking about things that are happening in the world that have have to do with 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 that. Most of our agency work is basically, you know, people hiring us to bring music into a certain kind of context Mm -hmm. or bring 
or come up with, with ideas for something that's more geeky that can apply it to the cooler side of things, which is music. Sure. Yeah. Um, and all of our attitude and art and everything will all ex- ex- make sense in in that world. You mm-hmm. won't see a random show yeah. or, or, or a random piece, piece of co- content that doesn't. Sure. Well, that's concise. Um, how, how do you define geek culture? Um, I say uh, anything that is like uh, genre based in, in terms of like film, right? So it's like superhero stuff, sci-fi stuff, like fantasy, um, fran- franchises that 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 can apply to TV and comics. Mm-hmm. Video games, the culture that 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 goes around that. So that's tech, technology, uh, certain types of like fashion, uh, and um, books. You know, like different kinds of uh, uh, personalities in the world that like show off that that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like someone like uh, um, uh, um, Pee Wee Herman. Okay. Um, He's got a new movie coming project. Out. Yeah, you yeah. guys should probably work on that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but like you know, it's it's not all straight fanfare in, in terms of like anything that you would see like at a con. Like like someone like Nerdist, for mm-hmm. for, for, for example, has that covered fine. Right. But like we're more I- interested in maybe like talking to Grimes about her favorite anime mm-hmm. uh, or like. Uh, digging into like 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 how music has in- influenced uh, the Marvel films, or like you know like yeah. like like really kind of finding those bridges, you know like um, you know like 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 Flying Lotus just made this short film that is this like horror movie, uh-huh. you know which is great. Like that is totally in our cross section of stuff that we want to I explore. Yeah. On the music side, there's plenty of news out outlets. You know, sure. Pitchfork, Vader, Rolling Stone. All those guys are great, great at that. You mm-hmm. know, there doesn't need to be another a- outlet. You know, just right. advertising the new song or video or tour. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and and as I said with Nerdist, you know, in other sites of, of that, like any new movie casting or release date all, all that stuff is good right you know but like we're really meant to kind of be in in the middle and like um you know i i've i feel like there's a lot of other people like me in the world that aren't just fans of one thing that mm-hmm. aren't defined by by one thing and you know not just interest but you know how media is is growing and how how genre is is changing that's the world that we're going into yeah that those those lines are blurred absolutely yeah i mean it's so interesting you know how these things all come together and you know going back to loose tooth and and fucking awesome in those days you know we had mike b on the show um and he talked about you know his experience with banana split which Mm -hmm. was kind of happening around the similar time frame yeah and which was you know it was about dance music and hip-hop you know sort of having the same conversation about fun right and um, you know as a reaction to all the bottle service and all the Mm -hmm. you know thuggery and all the different stuff that were 
impacting that culture, right? And I think, um, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, from the outside, these things all look the same, right? And and they, you know, you, people use, people think about EDM as like this one thing, right? Or they think about hip hop as this one thing or, and, or, or even punk rock, right? You know, you have these, unless you're in it. For sure. Right, it, it all feels very homogeneous mm-hmm. um, and that you can, and you know, I know we both are in the business of working with brands and helping them navigate those nuances, right? Because, you know, I'm sure you've had the conversation with a brand who just, you know, is looking at it from the outside and it really only sees the broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you do that? How do you take them into some of those nuances and, and translate those into what'll be meaningful for them? Well, I think from our end, you know, I've got a decade plus of um, losing money <laughs> and but along the way defining what our voice was. Yeah. You know, or or it is. Yeah. You know, and like so we have this like history of stuff to be able to pull from to be able to show, you know, this is the impact that, that we've 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 been able to like have and this is how we, we can translate that for for you. Yeah. I, I feel like that's my that's our biggest a- asset in, in those con- con- conversations. Yeah. Just like real proof. Um, so, so what do brands do or what should they do to kind of get the best out of the, a relationship with you? Trust us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I'm still learning how to like fully express all those things on like a, a, a business view. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason why certain brands have been so engaged in coming coming back to to us is that we really care about our 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 work for like one but we want to make sure that you know what we're doing is authentic and you know actually shows results mm-hmm. uh and you know and in order to like do that, you need to be able to express to the audience in, in a, a genuine way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that that's something that that we're that we that we're um, um, uh, good at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the. I think it does. I mean, it's so interesting. You know, I think that as you're talking, it's like the the difference between what we do and I think, you know, in some ways we're in the same business um, versus, you know, an ad agency Mm -hmm. is that, uh, you know, those guys have mountains of data about their, the audiences that they're going to reach, but they don't know any of them. Yeah, they've never met their target consumer, and 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 much less they've never had drinks with them, spent a whole night with them, had them, 
you know, sweating and dancing their ass off and having the times of their lives, totally. right? And so, um, you know, I think we're all, and in, in including the agents, like we're, everyone's in the business of, of trust me, right? Yeah. But it's a different, it's a different type of trust, and it's a different type of, um, you know, you talk about authenticity, right? And and the reality is. Uh, if you're if you're in your business or in mine, and you do work that does that isn't right, that doesn't resonate, then you're not going to be able to do that any longer. Yeah, well, because it's not just having the trust of the brands; it's having the trust of the audience. Right. Absolutely. You know, and the um, artists. Yeah. You know, so you know, we can't do just anything. Right. Like we have to be particular um, on certain levels, you know, and um, you know, in I think like like the one advantage of having taken that harder road is that you know we've set ourselves up to be a place where you know you don't come to us unless you want a, mm -hmm. a, a certain thing. Yeah. You know, and that certain thing can be molded and reshaped to be appropriate for whoever's brand. Um, but it's still at the core is going to be us, you know. And, um, you know, because you, as you said, you can go to any agency and just get that. Mm -hmm. And that that's what you want. And cool. Mm -hmm. Go, go there. I mean, we even take the same with the current version of our label we take the same approach like the artists too. It's like, we're not there to only service the artists. We're not a business. We want to right. add to the artists and have our say in how that looks and how the video looks and how they look for the time that they're with us. Mm -hmm. You know, and like some people see that as a good thing because it, it'll help them. Yeah. Some people don't. And there's it's not good or bad either way but if you want to work with with us we want to have our stamp and our voice you know yeah absolutely um so I, I want to go back to the beginning a little bit though um how'd you get how'd you first get started in music you were playing in bands mm -hmm. what was the was there a um how'd you first fall in love with music or decide you wanted to make music uh, well, my first real experience with music was Michael Jackson uh, when I was very young. Which uh, record? Thriller. Uh huh. Uh, which came out what, like '82, right? So I was yeah. like four, you know. So it was like just at the time that I was like conscious of music. father at the time had MTV on 
constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like it was, he was either watching sports or that was just on. So like '80s music videos and that whole era was just like I was around it a lot. And do you remember the first? Vi- was it like Thriller? Was the video, or was there one before that that impacted you? Um, I can't really remember one bef- before that. Like things like Billy Idol and Cindy Lauper and like all that stuff. Like yeah, those images are pretty vivid. Uh, Van Halen, mm-hmm. but Michael Jackson was always like, you know, especially as a kid. You know, yeah. it was like sure the fucking shit. Uh, but then in junior high school, I was like really into like, like the like, um, like the early '90s like soul rap stuff. So like Boys to Men and Belt Belt the uh, Devoe and mm-hmm. TLC, like all that shit was like I was very in, in to it. And then I, uh, uh, kind of got introduced to underground music in seventh grade um, through Nirvana, uh, you know, when Nevermind came out in 1991 and through being into that kind of music, met another group of kids that kind of introduced me to, you know, things like Operation Ivy and like uh, No Effects and the Misfits and that whole scene. Mm -hmm. and. I was starting to become not as in, in love with the direction that mainstream R and B was was going, and I was like really into this, this, this new sound, uh, and, and, and especially the world that that came with, with that sound. Yeah. Until then, music was very distant. You know, yeah. like like I, I was uh, living in um, Indiana, so there wasn't a place to really go see pop stars or sure. even know how to become a pop star you right. know um, but as soon as I found bands you could go to down the da- down the like street mm-hmm. to someone's basement mm-hmm. and see it and like be a part of that 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 world yeah I think next week we'll tape the show from Cassie's new Casper mattress we'll all lay on the bed and do our interview from there and see who falls asleep first you can go to casper.com and get your own mattress Use the code RADIO and save $50 off the purchase of a new mattress. You can also get a pillow, some sheets. Who knows what else they might have there for you. Go to Casper.com, type in RADIO as a promo code, and you save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. Do you remember your... Um, and Did you start playing in bands at that time? Yeah, I started playing drums when I was 14. Um, Do you remember your first show? Yeah. Um, I moved to Okinawa, Japan uh, for my sophomore and junior year. Oh, nice. Of high school and joined my first band there. Uh, like, a, like a punk band? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have a drum set, so I had to borrow a drum set every time that we played a show. Uh-huh. So I could, only could practice on pots and pans. <laughs> awesome. Yeah pretty funny that's awesome um, and then you know I was in like a couple like high school bands there and then I moved back to Indiana when I was uh, 17 and was 
very driven to join, join a band and saw a flyer uh, around town for this like uh, uh, political pop punk band. And like the flyer was just like, if you're anti-racist, anti-government, blah, 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 like mm-hmm. vegan, like every single thing that you could possibly be. Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to find a I'm drummer. Nice. And, and like I had never heard of those politics really. Yeah. I mean, like in, in general, but not as like this like militant thing. Right. Because um, even like my uh, my view of like punk punk rock or the underground was still very much mixed with like '90s alt rock and mm-hmm. then like surface level pop like punk rock bands like Misfits yeah. and Black Flag and stuff like stuff that you could see any kid with a shirt right on with you know. Yeah. Um, even though it was like a little bit more. On, underground because it was the mid 90s still like pretty like accessible stuff so i uh wrote wrote these guys or i guess i called them there was no um um, email yet Mm -hmm. i was like i i agree with everything on the flyer although i'm not vegan and and i and i and and i smoke uh and I, i went and uh Audition for for the band, and we played a show two days later. Uh, this band was called Operation Cliff. Uh, um, Cliff um, Clavin. You probably w- wouldn't have heard of us unless you were like really into the DIY pop 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 punk scene. But nice. like the we had a pretty good good go in, in that scene for a few 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 years nice. we actually played a show last summer oh cool well yeah. if you're an operation cliff clavin fan hit us up on twitter <laughs> we don't we want to hear from you but we um through them i learned what i guess being a punk really meant yeah. and the idea of like uh uh diy we booked our own tours we mm-hmm. put out our own records you know like the independent uh, record labels, distribution, touring net networks, clubs—all those things didn't really exist yet. Right. You know, like, like the idea of someone like the Windish agency wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Matador, Sub Pop, all those yeah. things were like pretty new still yeah. and not that established. Very much still like underground. Yeah. And there was no like distribution chain really like mm-hmm. it like like so you know we had a we would make our own records and then you know you would like print them and then you'd play shows with bands and you would trade records to sell each other's records that was how yeah. you you know records got right you know in other towns mm-hmm. uh if you weren't on a major yeah you know like there was no agency, so you had to like, you know, there was no email, so you had to like just get numbers from other bands and call sure. random people that you didn't know to book shows at, at, <laughs> at their house. Yeah. And hope that the show was happening when you showed up. You know, That's like, like, and some, sometimes it wasn't, you right? Because they got in trouble with their mom or something, you know? Uh, sure. I mean, it, it's know, so like, interesting, like, that's, you know, uh, Record stores were so important to that yeah. whole thing, right? Because they'd have the flyers. Yeah, I mean, we would go into uh, every time we went to, we'd go to the record store and see if they would buy our right records. Right, 
and then I'd buy like one or two. Sure. And then you'd see flyers for the shows and you'd learn about the venues. And yeah, it's that, I mean, that's really interesting as a, you know, the importance of restaurant stores to to this like, these emerging cultures, subcultures. Um, But it's interesting you're you're telling this because it's very similar to the story you just told about sort of uh, being all about one thing and then shedding that and moving on to something else, right? And, And I can kind of imagine, you know, to go from being a fan of Michael Jackson and MTV and, and you know, Belle DeVoe to, like, you don't just get to add no effects to your repertoire. Don't call me white. Don't call me white. Don't call me white. Don't call me white. Right, like you have to let go of that other stuff. You, you know what I mean? You can't. For sure. You're not going to show up to your, you know, punk rock practice in like a Michael Jackson T-shirt, right? Like, yeah. Um, because that culture is so insular and so rejecting of everything that's not that. And but but, but that's also why later when we got those dance nights going, I was like, there was like a sense of freedom. Sure. You know, and like yeah. and actually like that whole process of like rejecting things that I loved, yeah. learning how to love something else, and then realizing that I needed to, to be me yeah. and bringing the, those things back, like that taught me a big, uh, a lesson, you mm-hmm. know? I'm sure, and, um, yeah. You know, like, I've kind of always taken that that core into everything else that I've done, yeah. done after. Yeah, well it seems like you're a guy that's discovered these things along the way, right? Like, you know, you, you discovered this uh, DIY punk world that existed before you, but it but it was but it was happening kind of in its own thing, right? And mm-hmm. then, you know, you got to be part of that. And then, like you said, you discovered this connection with dance music that was happening over time, right, as well. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, um, you know, and you talked about you get older and your priorities change and all that. So are you going to be like the guy that discovers these new things, you know, throughout your life and career or, you know, was that a phase and now you shift gears and I mean, I would hope that I'm always finding new, new things. I think like forward motion is very important. Yeah. You know, and like whether it's like for myself or something that the business is, is, is doing like, being able to adapt and, you know, really kind of like follow the things that are like making sense uh, is important, you know, yeah. and like not being afraid to change, like not being afraid to discover new things and be our ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those are 
very important things. Yeah. Um, and I hope it's something that we never lose. Well, so you talk about, you know, competition and I, and I know the, you know, competition in the, in the concert business mm -hmm. is famous, infamous, right? The, mm -hmm. um, you know, from just like high stakes to dirty tactics, right? There's all, it's all kind of shit that goes on. Um, but like with, uh, what you were doing, you know, with fucking awesome and even check your for a while, like you were under the radar of the AEGs and the Live Nations and the, those, it just wasn't something they were paying attention to. And now they are. Now they are. Yeah. Right. And so, like you said, that makes it really hard to then compete. Um, so, well, I guess, first of all, are there, um, how has that competition played out for you? Like any, any particular in, stories that in, stand out? In terms of promoting, um, with, with the big dogs, nothing directly. Uh -huh. If anything, like we developed a relationship with with them both, right? Um, and you know, there's any amount of opportunity to you know work with Golden Voice or Live Nation, and uh, we have. They've never been assholes. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're actually like they've been very supportive for the the most part. Sure. Um, in terms of like a, on like a one-on-one -on -one basis um, at at the same time it's like you know like like the moves that they're making on a business level make make sense like I understand it's not like a personal thing it's mm -hmm. not like how do we get IR comics out of course out of the market it's market share yeah you know they have to grow absolutely uh, mainly it's the competition between each of them yeah you know but I think w one of the side effects of, of that is just how it changes things yeah. you know and like Los Angeles is a in, very interesting space when it comes to music and especially when it comes to events because you know like uh, the influence here is so high mm -hmm. uh, all the way from Coachella all the way down to you know the like smell you know like they're like like the individual branded events and nights and things that, that happen here are incredibly in, influential and important and I think unique uh, to Los, Los, Los Angeles and the history of, mu of mu music uh, um, culture. Mm -hmm. You know, like, kind of like how you were saying bef before about genre, like uh, unless you're in the middle of it, you don't see all the things that right. that are g going on. I would say this, the same is true about here, uh, in, in in terms of like anywhere else in the world. And you like look in, you can see that there's things going on. But maybe you're a fan of one kind of music, so you only see Ronda, or maybe right. you only see Hard, or maybe you only see FYF or Brownies and Lemonade or mm -hmm. Ham and Everything or Checky Pointo, right? But if you're in the middle of it, and you like look around you. There's like twenty or thirty like very influential branded events that are franchised out across the like the, the like world that have a definitive look, style, logo, and sound. Mm -hmm. You know, you say like you 
you say Rhonda or you see their logo and you understand yeah. exactly what that that is. Yeah. That's a huge hugely powerful thing. You know? right. And it makes it makes sense that someone like Golden Voice or, 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 or Live Nation or like whoever um, notice that and like figure out how to use it to their advantage. But you know, it's like but it's something that has you know, played a huge part in creating the music culture that is Los Angeles now, mm -hmm. which I think, you know, is the healthiest place for music in the world. Mm -hmm. But from an outside view, it's hard to see all, 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 all of that. Yeah. You, know, you have to be in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, you know, as you're sort of figuring out this evolution, um, it had to occur to you that, you know, one option is to go further in that direction, like sell to one of those guys and, and just be events, mm -hmm. you know, um, how, how did you process that option? I thought about it. Um, I just feel like my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. Like it wasn't, I felt like it was like, if we did that, it wasn't really the best choice for the the brand mm -hmm. uh and you know i just like i think it like took me in a i felt like it took me in the wrong direction as a biz business per person you know like i like the reason that we stopped the original label back in two, 2009 wasn't because it was unsuccessful unsuc it was because it was working yeah you know like and like i never wanted to be a full-time label manager mm -hmm. once across the like line of like working with an artist to create something new and exciting to sales and and uh distribution it i hated it mm -hmm. you know yeah um i like to say it was like buying a bunch of dogs that would never die you know like you know it's like it's like it's like it's, it's awesome. It's really great when you have like one or two and they're like super cute you know you get to play with them and stuff yeah then when you have like 19 of them and all you're doing is picking up shit and feeding them and walking them yeah. you have no time left to to yourself or to even in, in enjoy them that's the point you know right. it's like yeah like I, i'm gonna be chained to those dogs for the rest of my life <laughs> you know that's like, awesome and, and like and like it was the it was the same thing with with that and i told it like whether it's the label or the events or like whatever, to me it was always an expression of my art. Mm -hmm. It was like an expression of like different things in the world that that brought me joy, and I loved bringing them in and adding my own drawings or ideas to yeah. it, and then reshaping that into something new and giving it out. Once it crossed the line in the straight business, I just didn't care, you know. And so it would be like, I think, uh, irresponsible of me to try and fake that. You know, and like, and as you said, like, like, like the evolution of coming to grips with things and like letting things go, really realizing that for myself. And I don't think, I don't think I was able to until I pushed things to the furthest that they they could go. So you seem really in touch with, with what works for you. Mm -hmm. How'd that happen? Was it? Have you always been like that? Um, I think so on a, on a certain level, you know, I was an only kid, only child growing up and I was, um, always pretty focused on, you know, 
just drawing and doing my own thing. Um, I don't think I always have known exactly what those things were, you mm -hmm. know, but I always kind of knew what direction I was mm. g going in. A lot of times at the annoyance of my parents, my uh, teachers, sure, you know, because I was just like, no, I don't care about that. I just want to yeah. do this. What, um, how but did I you had start? to experiment a lot to kind of find yeah. the middle ground. Yeah, know? I'm sure. How does your art and music, how do they influence each other? Um, a lot, uh, in, especially in terms of like the art that I draw is highly influenced from, you know, my world. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and then like my surroundings make the most sense to me visually. So, you know, it's like, you know, applying one to like each, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's weird nowadays because like really it's kind of become one and the same. But I remember when I lived in Bellingham or Seattle when I was like doing shows, like it was like so important to like me to like get the opportunity to make the flyer for the, the show, whether it was mine or like some somebody else. If it was an artist that I really loved, I wanted to be able to like, you know, have my, my like say mm -hmm. and how that how that was so as your taste in music has evolved has your has your art evolved can you see the way that your art has evolved with that uh on certain levels i mean the real root of it is the same like mm -hmm. i have a certain style I've gotten better or more uh refined mm -hmm. um but the the real like root of the like black and white or like watercolor comic style stuff is uh is there um if anything as i've gotten older i've learned how to translate that to other mediums you know like like in the last couple of years i've gotten into uh, uh uh directing music videos and a lot of the characters or how the scenes are laid out are very similar to how i would draw it sure um and that's something i i, I didn't even notice until a, a friend of mine was like oh it's like watching one of your comics oh that's cool you know and it was yeah. like like the um i don't know i guess it's just how i see things mm -hmm. I, i'm always i'm not a comic book guy but you know i appreciate i appreciate it and i appreciate how um pervasive it is into global culture right that mm -hmm. well there's nothing know, more mainstream right now than the comic book absolutely and okay. and you know to some extent it's been that way i mean i think it goes in phases a little bit but it but it, it's been that way for you know decades for a hundred years right yeah um why is that what is what is it about comics that that is so universal that that just speaks to people what's well, the modern myth right like you know it's like Every culture has had their gods. Yeah. It's ours. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and like it just has the advantage of being told in this like serial nature mm -hmm. and, you know, all the merchandising things based, based around it. But, you know, the real core of it is the same classic archetype that the Greeks had and yeah. all that stuff. It's all there. It's just yeah. part of human culture. Well, I've noticed I have a six-year-old son, and he's he's crazy uh, 
about all the you know comic book toys and books and movies and you know all that stuff and um you know it's really easy for him to separate the world into good guys and bad guys mm-hmm. right and and uh and we often have conversations about how real life may not be that simple sure that you know there's there aren't, um, you know, good people do bad things and bad people do good things and, you know, whatever, right? There's there's a lot more gray area for sure in the real world. But, you know, but for him, I, I've, I've sort of learned that appeal through him that, like, you can separate the world in those movies and stories yeah, in a I, way that, that just makes sense. I mean, I, I feel like it's something that has always been appealing to, like, me. You know, like, I'm the first one to admit I'm not super red when it comes to, like, classic books and novels and that the, the, that that kind of stuff like, yeah I've read a few but the majority of my reading in my life has been graphic novels or comics or you know articles so like I've derived the majority of like my morality I would say and like knowledge from comics is, is there one that you can think of in particular not necessarily. I mean, like you know, like, like, like the like the Marvel universe is like the one thing I've followed the longest and the broadest. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, like I don't take comic book stories like seriously. Sure. Uh, yeah. But but in yeah, terms of like a, a the, moral the, 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 like, lesson ge- or value, the, is yeah, there? The, the general themes are are there. Yeah. And you know, I think it's helped me try to be a better person. You know. Um, it's not for everybody, but I like mm-hmm. it. Like if I was to have something in my life that was closest to a religion, I would say somewhere between that and what I learned from the DIY punk punk scene helped me define like what my like moral code is. You yeah. Know? So, is there one quality that stands out that that's gotten you to this point? Uh, determination. Okay. You know, like, I guess just, like, being able to figure things think, things out. I yeah. think my biggest strength is my ability to solve problems. So um, when, is, when has that been tested most strongly for you? Mm, probably these last few years. Like, the mm-hmm. last two years of really just, like, putting in so much extra time to, like, piece by piece take a- a- everything away and try and build it back up like yeah. solving the u- ultimate puzzle you know it's it's been hard you know like there's been like maybe like cases here and there of like one thing or like you know like hey we booked this big show and the venue just went into flames we had to like rechange things you know right. but like that stuff doesn't honestly doesn't even b- bother me yeah. anymore it's just a problem that needs to be solved like, sure. the, like the real like kind of like like uh soul changing thing has just been this this massive process mm-hmm. which i feel like we're, we're we're still in yeah but it's like i can see the light at the end of the tunnel now. yeah is there anything so as you as you evolve and the business evolves and all that um what do you have to let go of in terms of like your uh, you know, there's this idea that like certain things get you to one point and then they hold you back, right? So, is there stuff that you're having to shed with, about yourself? 
I think like being in control of every, everything, you know, like learning how to trust and lead, um, you know, like, like all those are still like the things I'm becoming a lot more com 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 comfortable with but as things change and grow like you have to like let go of certain certain things you yeah. know i was very protective of what i was doing for a long time because i felt like we were vulnerable uh and especially like with like like i'd had a, a couple bad experiences in the past where i felt like things were like uh uh, uh taken from me mm -hmm. so you know like but it things just reach a certain level to where you have to open your, yourself up. You have to challenge yourself to communicate and um, you know think think about things differently. You know, and that's that's been the hardest. You mm -hmm. know, it's like really like you know analyze yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know? All right. Have you had mentors that have helped you or taught you things along the way? Sure. Yeah. What's the What's the most important lesson someone's taught you? Um, a real basic one was like, if you don't ask, you don't get. You know. Uh, I love that. We had a guest on the show that uh, uh, uses that as kind of his mantra. You know that that, that it's so simple and basic, but mm -hmm. it really, you know opened up a lot lot of things because if you're like just sitting there waiting for someone to bring you something it probably won't happen yeah or they won't bring you what you want yeah you know i think that like if you have an idea of what you you want or like an expectation for yourself of what you think you're capable of you have to express that mm -hmm. what'd you learn from steve aoki um how to fight yeah you know, like, uh, he and I, you know, like, we're, we're cool now. We had a few years where we, we, we weren't, but. I think, there, I think while we were doing Loose Tooth, you guys were, like, beefing over something. We were on, on our way out. Yeah. You know. I, I remember um, that. And, but, you know, like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of every single thing that he's done for himself, the one thing that, you know, the one quality that I, I, I do admire in him is his, you know, his willingness to really fight for what he thinks, you know, he, he, he needs, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And do you find yourself embracing that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, like, that's why our fights used to get so intense because we're, we're both fighters. Yeah. You know? So like you put us in a in a box, like we'll have to clutch with his eyes out. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's good. I mean, sometimes you got to go through that and mm -hmm. see what happens on the other side. Yeah, you know, like the even the years where we were fighting, I think were like some of the best years for us both because mm -hmm. there was there was a real energy there to like one up. Yeah. The other. You sure. Know, to like. You know, like it was like, it was like a, a war, you know, which was, you know, it can, can have its own benefits. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get rich during war. Totally. Yeah. That's great. Um, what was your, is there a favorite night at Check Your Ponytail that stands out? 
Um, there's been a lot of good ones, but I feel like the most impactful one was still uh, October of 2006 when it was like Justice and Mastercraft, because that was like like that was the night that I feel like was like it's the marker of like when like electronic music became a reality here. Yeah, you know. That was such a crazy night, and you know, like, I feel like every single person that was in that room, and then every person that wanted to be in that room, kind of like took that as like something new has arrived. Yeah. Um, could you? Was there like? Uh, did it feel different the next day? Can you like? Was it that sort of blatant? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. It was like. The majority of our shows became that a after that. I feel like the majority of everyone else's shows. It was just this, like, yeah. like something new had arrived. Yeah. Nice. Um, last question. Favorite DJ? Favorite DJ? Uh, Adam 12. Nice. I you know, like there's there's a lot of maybe different DJs that are my favorite in the moment. Yeah. But Adam has always been con 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 consistent. He's got great taste in, in music, mm -hmm. and you know a lot. There, there's a lot of people that make music right now, which you could call D DJs. But you know, like as far as being like a DJ's DJ, I feel like Adam really is that. You know, that's and awesome. Like, and that's like a skill that. Uh, um, that I respect a yeah. lot. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, Adam's a friend and he's been on the show and um, and we talked about, you know, how I've just watched him just go up there and just murder it over and over and over, over years and decades. Mm -hmm. And not too many people can do that. Totally. It's pretty cool. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you, you being here and being um, so generous with all the wisdom. Of course. We're definitely going to be following what happens and, uh, you know, come back anytime you want to promote something and, cool. and uh, we'll do it. Thanks so much. For awesome. Right on. Yeah, that was Frankie Chan. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Uh, some good stories from that man. Come back next week. We have a very special guest, my man, the professor. If you're into street ball and one and the new ball up league. Uh, you'll know who the professor is. The rest of you will have to wait, and I'll school you, just like the professor will school you on the court. Meanwhile, go to iTunes, leave us five stars, go to SoundCloud, subscribe, and go to CasperMattress.com, buy a goddamn mattress, use the code RADIO, and save 50 bucks.